Morning, everyone. Tuesday, the 15th of March. Like we had a bit of volatility overnight. Chris, what do you got for us? The Dow closed up one point, everybody. It was up 451 at best and down 126 at worst. So like you say, Ben, quite a volatile session. Spy Futures were pointing to a 61-point fall on the open this morning, but has opened down 45 points. So doing a little bit better than what was expected. The S&P 500 overnight printed its first death cross in two years. NASDAQ traded to its lowest level since December 2020. This was despite some hopes for a detente between Russia and Ukraine. There is some suggestions of a positive result within days. Uh, Ukraine President Zelensky has expressed hope for a ceasefire and said a meeting with Putin is possible. So some more thawing occurring in that situation. In other news, China locking down the southeastern manufacturing hub of Shenzhen and up to half of China's GDP and population is potentially impacted by that lockdown. So we'll no doubt further exacerbate the supply chain issues that are plaguing the global economy. Goldman Sachs lowers its year-end price target for the S&P 500. This is the second time they've done it in a matter of weeks. Previously, it was 5,100 down to 4,900. Now it's 4,900 down to 4,700. They, of course, like everyone, have noted surging commodity prices uh, and also have a weaker outlook for US and global growth. And this follows what they did late last week where Goldman economists cut their GDP forecast and said the odds of a US recession next year were as high as 35%. I personally think that that's that's quite a high number. To the other story overnight, yields. Yields are surging again. The five-year in the US is above 2% for the first time since May 2019, and the 10-year posted the biggest single-session increase since March 2020. It was up 15 basis points, and that is a seismic move for bonds. So, you know, the best part of a full quarter point rate hike moving overnight for the 10-year. Some crazy moves in commodity markets as well. We saw WT crude down 6%. Iron ore down 6%. Coal was down 9%. So volatility in commodities continuing. Great. Thank you, Chris. And you mentioned a death cross there. I've got to ask you, as a technical guy, do you actually care about a death cross or a golden cross or any of these indicators? In a short answer, Ben, no, I don't care about these things. The media in particular likes to get hold of these things to write some headlines. I'll talk about it a little bit more in just a moment. But no, the shorter answer is I don't care about a death cross or a golden cross. Thank you, Chris. Tom is away today, so I will fill in to get us up to speed with what is happening in our market. As Chris mentioned, we are down 45 points or 0.62%, which is a little bit better than what the futures had pointed to. Material and energy are the big losers this morning, but that's no surprise. As again, Chris said, we had a 6% drop in iron ore, a 6% drop in oil, and we know those sectors just follow those prices around. Financials are the strongest. Everything else is kind of uh, faltering around the flat line between half percent up, half percent down. Just a few little bits out this morning, not a whole lot. Macquarie has Asset Management has completed the acquisition of New York-based Central Park Group, which is an investment firm with more than $3.5 billion in assets under management. Unity Group was up 15% before being paused pending an announcement. So not sure what's going on there. Henry might have more of an idea. He tends to have the word on these things, but not sure there. So we'll keep an eye on that. Zero has been upgraded to overweight by JP Morgan. And the London Metal Exchange is set to reopen nickel trading on Wednesday over a week after it quite 
quite uh, notably halted trading. So it will be interesting to see what happens when that comes back online. It was, of course, up over 100% in the session or two prior to that uh, halt. Uh, we've got some ex-dividends today. The big ones are News Corp, TPG, Yancol, and Sandfire. So this morning, Yancol was down 17% on that ex-dividend. There's a few other little ones in there, full list in the newsletter. On the calendar elsewhere today, we have some domestic data. We've got the RBA meeting minutes, Q4 house price index, and HIA new home sales for February. In the US tonight, we've got the New York Empire State Manufacturing Index for March, PPI for February, and the March Red Book. Fair few bits out in China and Europe, but I won't go through them all now. European economic sentiment and unemployment numbers from China and the UK are probably the most interesting, though it will also be interesting to see on the back of those lockdowns in China that Chris was talking about, the numbers that they have coming out for industrial production, January, February, retail sales, January, February, and unemployment rates, see if things are grounding to a halt there, uh, but you can see the full list in the newsletter again. No corporate events locally, which is why we have such little news on the docket, tends to be the case after a public holiday. And tomorrow we have a bunch of ex-dividends, but nothing overly notable. ING, probably the biggest name that sticks out on the page there, full list in the newsletter as well. All right, Layden, any broker stuff for us today? Thanks, Ben. Pretty busy this morning, actually, so I'll just touch on a couple of them. Uh, Credit Suisse has a fair bit of commentary out on the banks They've upgraded Bendigo and Adelaide Bank, lifted the target price 8%, and that's now 14% above the current market price. And they've also upgraded Commonwealth Bank and lifted the target price 8% there as well, but that's just in line with the current market price. They've got some commentary out on Bank of Queensland. They've got an outperform rating, lifted the target price slightly, but that's 42% above the current share price. Morgan's is saying add. They've retained their target price, which is 37% above the current market price. Pretty big numbers there. Rio has received some mixed comments this morning all around that $2.7 billion offer that they've made for the remaining 49% of Turquoise Hill. Macquarie expects a successful bid to increase copper production by 10%. And they've retained their outperform rating for the target price 26% above the current share price. But UBS has a sell rating with a target price 19% below the current share price. So I'm not sure if that just hasn't been updated yet, but I'll be keeping an eye out on that one one today because apparently that was updated this morning. That's probably enough for me to go through this morning. I think there's a few more, but I'll just pop them in the newsletter. Great. Thank you, Leighton. Uh, Henry, what have you got for us today? Hi, guys. Just on that Unity, first off, uh, there's rumours in the market that there is a takeover bid between four and five bucks a share for that one. Uh, and Yankol, the dividend was 50 cents. They're down around 85 cents as coal prices have fallen. So that uh, that is that. Uh, as far as uh, my stuff today goes, just looking for an opportunity to uh, top up on some resource stocks as they come under some pressure at the moment. At least I'm hoping that it's short term, but uh, Pilbara is one that I am really looking at at the moment for the lithium exposure. It hasn't come back as far as I would like, still $2.68. And uh, I'd like to add some at $2.40. I did sell some at $3.75, $3.80 before all this started happening. And we do have a tale of two cities. We do have resources going backwards and banks going upwards as we see bond rates rise. Uh, the LME Nickel is reopening on Wednesday their time. So that is going to be an interesting uh, conundrum. Of course, we've got the big shot who has been the big short in the nickel market. And uh, it'll be interesting to say the least to see what the nickel price will do. But it will definitely fall, I would say, quite heavily as the margin requirements uh, have been satisfied, at least in the short term for the big short that he has. So that will um, be interesting. And one of our competitors has a big thing today on all the nickel stocks 
in the market. If you're interested in that, go hunt it. I'm not going to uh, put the link in our newsletter <laughs> uh, for obvious reasons, but it's uh, it's quite a thorough and comprehensive look at all the nickel stocks. I do hold pan panoramic resources as my preferred nickel exposure. Just uh, ask the analysts next Friday, not this Friday, next Friday. So if anyone's interested out there, I will be running another free for all question series on next Friday. I think it's the 25th at 5.30, just to uh, keep things interesting, just in head of the budget as well, which there'll be a lot of chatter about that in the next few weeks, petrol, excise, tax cuts, etc. That's about it from me. And Henry, your live session tomorrow night, of course, it's all booked out. We'll hopefully, we'll see some photos in the newsletter. Uh, we will see some photos. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, I mean, in theory, it's booked out. But in practice, I'm sure uh, at least five to 10 people won't turn up. So I could end up being uh, Johnny come uh, lately with uh, five friends sitting there trying to take pictures and making it look as if it's um, if it's busy and popular. But in theory, got 30 people coming to a very, very, very informal session uh, tomorrow night in Sydney in a, in a the pub on the North Shore, uh, just to catch up and have a chat, and just to uh, put names to faces, which um, which will be interesting to see how um, how it goes. If it's successful and people enjoy it, which I hope they will, then uh, we can uh, do it in other capital cities. You are too humble, Henry. I reckon you'll have 150 people there, and I'm sure everyone will. Nothing you do is boring, mate. So I'm sure people will enjoy it. Yeah, I was well going to say much more likely to have people lining up in the streets and banging on the door <laughs> than you are to be sitting there by yeah. yourself. It'll be great. Who knows? Who knows? We'll we'll see. It's an experiment and we shall see how people like or dislike it. Very good. Very good. Thanks, Henry. Chris, you are a bit of a jack of all trades this morning. What do you got? happening yeah i'll just give a quick summary of the strategy portfolio ideas tom normally does this in marcus's absence tom is away so it's fallen to me the death crosses i was talking about before first time in two years on the s p 500 overnight for anyone who doesn't know it's a very basic technical signal of the 50 period simple moving average crossing below the 200 period simple moving average and i've got some charts there in that strategy portfolio ideas section why does the media love it well it's something to fill column space but it does highlight just how much momentum and ground the market has lost. And after such a long rally on the S&P 500 does appear quite pronounced on the chart. And it's seen, it's, it's been created because of the pullback from 4,800 to below 4,200. So a 600 point move. And as I said, it's the first time in a couple of years. It's not, it has no predictive value. Let's not get carried away with this. It's not saying that the market's going to collapse another 10% or anything like that. Very little predictive value, but it does uh, look back and highlight, like I said, just how much ground has been lost. Uh, and that can offer some perspective on obviously where we have come from. Another little note in the strategy portfolio ideas section, the SPY section about bond yields rising again. And I talked about it in the rundown early, but we did see some pretty strong moves in bonds overnight. The 10-year in Australia has risen above 2.5% for the first time since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. So let's not forget that it was only a matter of weeks ago at the breakout of the Ukraine war that yields tanked. I believe the 10-year in the US went from around 2% to back down to 1.7%. And with the rising commodity prices and rising expectations for rates and what the Fed will do, not necessarily this time out, but in future meetings, those yields have come ripping back. The 10-year overnight in the US was at 2.15%. So really has come surging right back. So uh, yields on the rise again. And finally, Ben's written a little piece about why we don't need to worry about the Russian default. Uh, It really will be symbolic more than anything else. Someone from the IMF saying overnight that uh, despite Russia 
Russia's foreign exposure and banking sector. It's definitely not systemically relevant. Uh, so like I said, don't need to worry about a Russian default. So that's going on in the spy section today. My little section on technical trades, I've had a look at New Hope Corporation this morning. The chart does look fantastic. I have said though, of course, with coal prices down 9% overnight, it's not likely to see the breakout that we want, but $3 is the critical level there. So commodity prices have been whipping around, coal prices down sharply overnight. They could come ripping back in the next couple of sessions. And if we see a breakout above $3, that New Hope chart looks pretty good. And that's it from me. Great. Thank you, Christopher. Now, question of the day today. Uh, what kind of stocks do you prefer to invest in or do you think you know best? Layden, do you want to kick us off? I'm extremely boring in this. I just sort of just go the very easy ones like ETFs and stuff. I've sort of lucked out on a couple, but I think, yeah, it's just been luck of the jaw. So what's the best thing that you've invested in, mate? What's one that you've done particularly well out of? Um, sort of when COVID hit, I managed to get a few good ones out. I got Sydney Airport pretty good. Yep. Yeah, a couple of ETFs. I've got a sustainable ETF that I like because I did environmental science at uni. So invest in what you know. Yeah, That's like one of the that rules. Thing. Good. Like it. Very good. Chris? Commodities for me. I was taught very early on by uh, one of my mentors that commodity prices, I always say it, commodity prices overshoot. They overshoot hard in both directions. And I just love that changing supply and demand dynamic. Uh, and over the journey, uh, and hopefully, you know, members would attest to this, I've managed to call uh, the iron ore price in particular reasonably well and commodities in general reasonably well. And they tend to move around quite a lot. They are cyclical, of course. So I quite like them. I like chasing after them. Uh, when I get it wrong, I get my face ripped off like anyone else. But when I get it right, you know, it tends to go pretty well. So they're my favorite thing to trade in stocks that I think I know reasonably well. Very good. Thank you, Chris. Henry? I must admit, I don't really uh, I don't really care, to be honest. I do like resource stocks because they can change your life. They certainly can change your wealth. And they do tend to have pivot points and catalysts when they go from exploring, drilling to uh, feasibility studies, funding, et cetera, and production. So there are certain milestones and catalysts along the way which are very useful in terms terms of re-rating of share prices. I, I do like tech stocks as well. They're always fun in the right environment. And I don't mind big stocks every now and then either. It just I guess it just depends on the prevailing environment in the market. But certainly there um, there's a big market out there. There's lots of opportunities. I'm happy to um, to jump on a bus when it goes past. And if I miss that bus, I'll pick another bus. So I have had massive success in the past with resource stocks, uh, especially small cap resource stocks, as they do change and get re Rated. So I guess that's where I've had most success in my, uh, I wouldn't even say investing. It has been more speculative than anything else. So they are fun. And if you get them right, you can make a lot of money. Very good. Thank you, Henry. Ben, what about you? What are your favorite stocks, sectors, places to throw some money at? My favorite place to invest is probably tech. Being on the younger end of the spectrum with a long runway, uh, I like it's just the fact that tech is houses a lot of companies that are trying to make a change in the world and be revolutionary and you know, just change the way things are done. And I think there's opportunities for a lot of money to be made there. And we know that is a fact. And having a long runway means you can afford to uh, ride out the volatility and that often comes there. And then I also like ETFs instead of a, a certain theme, like a clean energy or uh, environment, environmental sustainability or even cloud computing ETF as an easy way to get exposure to a general theme and just let it run. So Ben, thanks for looking me dead square in the eyes when you were talking about a long runway as well. You were basically saying, Chris, you're old. You shouldn't invest in tech stocks. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Very good. All right. That wraps us up. Thanks, guys. See you Thanks, tomorrow. Guys.